And we love you and appreciate you so much. And thank you so much for all your prayers and support. And um, let me just say that your brothers and sisters in the Lord in Israel, thank you as well. Because um, you guys are standing with Israel and you're standing with us um, in your prayers. And we just, uh, we just love you so much. And um, praising God always for you and what for, and for all that you're doing um, for Adonai through Beit Emmanuel and for um, Rabbi Michael and Rabbi, and Rabbi Carol and for their great ministry. So um, thank you so much. And um, I was here, Dina and I were here about a year ago. You may remember and we told you all about um, our most difficult challenge that we um, that we're going to face and um, that was an outreach that we were planning um, to do in Jerusalem to do in Jerusalem and um, when I had this trip um, I really wanted to come back here and to share with you what God did through your prayers um, in the city of the king, in the city of Jerusalem. But let me just um, give you a little bit. You can hit the PowerPoint. Next slide, please. Um, for those of you who are not so familiar with our ministry, Jews for Jesus, let me just give you a quick review. I know most of you are, but Jews for Jesus, we're a ministry that is all about uh, making Jewish disciples for Yeshua. We relentlessly pursue God's plan for the salvation of our people, of our Jewish people. And of course, we're an international um, ministry, so we have branches all over the world. But our largest branch is in the land of Israel, where we have um, 37 staff, all our Israelis. And then, why is our largest branch um, in Israel? Well, of course, because Israel is the most Jewish nation in the world, right? It makes sense, so of course, that our largest branch would be in, um, in the land. And um, let me play for you guys. Can I'm Dan Sarin, and I'm the Israel director. Of We're going to play for you now this um, video, which hopefully will, um, will really encourage you, give you a little bit of, um, of, a, of, a, of a picture of what um, God did um, in Jerusalem just this past May, and, um, and hopefully that would encourage you. I'm Dan Sered, and I'm the Israel director of Jews for Jesus. We've mapped out Israel. We've noticed that there are 12 different geographic regions, and this is by far the most exciting outreach that we've employed here in Israel. We're here in Jerusalem with the university and yeshiva team. Brought tons of cases of bottled water and hand them out. Been able to talk to a lot of people. What's happening here is an event that we've called Art Never Stops, and it's a kind of jam, painting and sculpting. It's really fun to get a group of people together and see how people really bond and build connections. I've been working on this show for the last year and a half. We have 11 artists who have dealt with these verses of Jerusalem, Jesus. We have been in the muck and mire of this little river, just cleaning out trash. We just love on the people of Israel. And the salvation stories of what God has worked during this month-long campaign. Russian speakers still are the most open to the gospel. We're going to take you in and see a house we've been working on. It's a woman who's working as a prostitute. And as part of our team to reach out to the homeless, drug-addicted, and prostitutes, 
or just fixing up her home to share the love of Christ. These ultra-Orthodox women are really suffering and we're reaching into a community that for many years and in many ways has been unreached with the gospel. What does Mashiach do then? If we all sin, we, we need help. Mashiach, you're praying for it, is the same one that Christians are praying for him for return. How could we really impact a larger percent of the population? So we began to pray together and pass around ideas and do some design thinking. A bunch of guys teams and girls teams are competing. Never would have thought it happened this fast. Selling some of our handmade items that talk about what we are. Looking for opportunities to engage the community. We're hoping to see these kinds of stories of change all across the city. Yes, yeah, so throughout the month of May, we saw 58 Israelis... Jewish folks who came to faith in our Messiah, Yeshua. Praise God. And all of that is, is only possible because of you, because of your prayers, because of your support. So um, I wanted to come here, and I, and I hope that you feel a part of the team, because Dina and I, as we serve um, Adonai in Israel, we really are an extension of you, of, um, of, of Beit Emanuel, and we are... We're so honored, we're so honored to be your extension in the land of Israel. So um, I want to ask you to continue to pray because um, in our ministry, just like um, for you, it's all about, right, making Talmidi, making disciples for our Lord Yeshua. Well, that's really the heart of our ministry as well. And um, now we are beginning to establish a branch and an office in Jerusalem and continuing the partnerships and continuing the different ministries that we we have done in the land of Israel and we need your prayers we need we need your continued support and prayers for our ministry especially in Jerusalem now and I'm not sure if you received one of these cards when you walked in and if you didn't, can you just raise your hand and one of the ushers will give you one. And if you fill out your name and address, we would love to send you um, our monthly prayer updates from Israel. If you put down your email address, um, we send those. I send those once a month, the Israel prayer updates. And also, if you fill out your name and address, we'll send you our free monthly newsletter. And uh, if you fill this out um, this morning, I would also like to send you a special gift, a special map of Israel, um, which on one side has the modern state of Israel, and on the other side has um, the different miracles. It tracks the miracles that Yeshua um, did that we read about in the Brit Chadashah, in the New Testament, and it kind of shows you the location. And what's really unique about this map is that you could see on one side the miracles that Yeshua did, performed many years ago, but then on the other side, in the modern state of Israel side, we have their testimonies of Israelis who have come to faith through our ministries and showing the different locations. So you could see how Messiah Yeshua is performing miracles today. Now, at the end of my sermon, you'll also have an opportunity. We're going to collect a love offering for our ministry in Israel. And um, if you choose to give, uh, please indicate the amount of your gift on this card. You can give via checks, make them payable to Jews for Jesus. You can also give via credit card, um, either by going online 
designer right here on this card. And um, again, the offering in its entirety is going to support our ministry in Israel, helping us to establish um, our branch, our work in the city of Jerusalem. Now, this morning, I also have some um, special prayer requests and um, need. Um, Dina and I, we are transitioning to a new role within our ministry of Jews for Jesus. Um, Starting on January 1st, um, I'm going to take some extra responsibilities within the ministry of Jews for Jesus. And I'm going to not just be responsible for our work in Israel, but also in Europe, South Africa, and Australia. And I'm going to change my title to Chief Operations Officer of Jews for Jesus. And with that, as a family, um, we're going to go through a bunch of transitions. So we would really appreciate your prayers, especially in this time and also going forward as we, um, as I transition and as we as a family transition to this um, new role and new responsibilities. As our um, synagogue family, it's important for us to keep you um, informed of what's going on in our um, ministry and in our lives, because like I said, we are truly an extension of Beit Emmanuel in Israel. So please keep us in your prayers. Now, I don't know um, what you would say if I were going to ask you um, what is the greatest power on the face of the earth today. I would imagine that most people would say that it's nuclear weapons, nuclear powers. And of course, um, being from Israel, in Israel there is a lot of talk about Iran and their nuclear um, weapons. And um, we know that the atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima in 1945 destroyed everything within one mile radius of where it was detonated. But did you know that today we've got some hydrogen bombs that are 4,000 times more powerful than that first atomic bomb? And yet, when we open the pages of the scriptures, of the Bible we find a being there um, that is so much more powerful that, that he makes our thermonuclear weapons look like sparkles. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, okay? I want us to talk about God, and I want us to talk about his awesome power. So if you got your Bibles, um, open with me. We're going to be in, um, in Yeshayahu, in Isaiah chapter 40. Um, right um, in our haftarah, we're we're going through um, these um, these chapters as well. Um, now, of course, the book of Yeshayahu was uh, written. The book of Isaiah was written by the prophet um, Isaiah, and Isaiah uh, ministered in the days of kings Uzziah, Yotam, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. It was a period that extended from 739. To 686 BC. Now, the first half um, of this of this book, um, of the book of Isaiah, is set against an Assyrian background, and is principally concerned. Um, Isaiah in those chapters is principally concerned with rebuking and condemning the people and leaders of Judah, and predicting the overthrow of the kingdom. Now, the second half 
of the book, chapters 40 to 66, those are written from a viewpoint of the Babylonian exile, which happened in about 100 years after the end of, um, of Isaiah's ministry, 586 B.C. And in these chapters, we find Yeshayahu, he's addressing prophetically the Jews of the captivity. These chapters are also known as the servant songs, right? As we read in the Haftarah. This is poetry. This is songs, okay? So we're going to start with Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 5. Like we sang at worship, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Yerushalayim and try and, and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from, from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of Adonai, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. Then even ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let's stop right here for a second. This section of Isaiah begins with comfort. It brings comfort. It's the, the book of comfort. After um, the first 39 chapters where Isaiah um, is telling Israel the consequences of their sins, that, that judgment is coming, suffering, pain, hardship, now he changes his tune. And, and here begins this section, this book of comfort. Comfort my people. God's glory is coming. And, 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 and in, his, in, this, in this poetry, he's saying, hey, as God comes, and, and it's going to be straight. It's going to be good. It's, it's, it's going to be all right, right? So, so mountains are, are going to come low. Valleys are going to come up. All this rough terrain is just going to be smooth riding. Why? Because the glory of the Lord is coming. God is reigning. He rules. This is comfort. This is good news. But, but, but in order for the people to really understand this comfort and, and to really understand this good news, we, we got to also understand that there's some bad news, right? Because without bad news, there is no good news, right? Hence, he continues, verses 6 to 8. A voices cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord God will stand forever. So what's the picture here? What's, what's the imagery? Well, we're grass, right? And what happens to grass? Well, grass dies. And here is the news. Each one of us here, all of us, this is bad news, all of us, are going to die. Everybody, everybody dies. But the word of the Lord, God's word is eternal. It stands forever. And therefore, verses 9 to 11, go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength. O Yerushalayim, herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, 
Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and His arm rules for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, and His recompense before Him. He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Now, in, in our ministry in Jews for Jesus, we love these verses so much that we actually named our longest, most challenging project in our, in our ministry's history. We, we called it Behold Your God, Project and Behold Your God. And it was an 18 years outreach where we conducted um, um, evangelistic campaigns in, in many cities all over the world. And, and we just concluded this, this project with the outreach that you saw in Jerusalem. Now, notice here what the prophet is saying. This was really an inspiration for us. What does he say? He say, well, go up on a high mountain. Well, what, that, that, what does that mean? Well, he wants you to be visible. He wants all to see. He says, lift up your voice. What does that mean? Well, he wants all to hear. He wants you to be audible. Then he says, do not fear. Do not fear. Do it in confidence. But what should we do? Well, he says, declare the good news. Declare the psoah, the gospel. What is it? Well, behold your God. Here is your God. He came and he's coming again. God will come in might. Now, the Lord is also gentle, caring, loving, and kind. The, the prophet gives us that imagery, right? But he's coming with might. And he continues, verses 12 through 17, to describe our God. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the Spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel. Whom did he consult? And, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice? And taught him knowledge? And showed him the way of understanding? What beautiful imagery here, right? Let's stop here for a second. God, what is the prophet saying? The prophet saying, God is the one who, who measures all the waters in all the earth, right? Imagine to yourself all these oceans and everything, and, and, and God is measuring it in the palm of his hands. I mean, I, I can't even comprehend his greatness, right? I mean, think about it. All the dust of the earth, all the dust in the earth, all the little grains of salt in every beach, in every country, on the face of the earth, God has measured. And then he took, takes, can, can take all the mountains, all the mountains, and he, and he puts them in, in the scale, the, the hills in balance. He's trying to express to us in word how, how great, how powerful our God is. And he continues, Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel. Nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations 
are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing in in emptiness. God's power is so great, so awesome, that, 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 that look what he does. We think of all the nations in the world, and, and we think we're so great. We think, we think we're so um, grandiose, right? Wow, look at us. But compared to our great God, nothing. We are nothing. In front of God, we're, we're just like this tiny grain of dust. So all this poetry, all this servant song in, in Isaiah 40, leads me, points me to how powerful our God is. Are, are, are you there with me? All this points to God's omnipotence. God is omnipotent. Now, what exactly does it mean? What does it mean to be omnipotent? Well, the word omnipotent literally means all-powerful. It means all-powerful to have unlimited power, unlimited strength, unlimited might, to be almighty, as the Bible says, of God. A being who is omnipotent can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, to whomever he wants, and for whyever reason he wants. Now, I know that there's no such word as why ever, (laughs) but I really wanted to put the wine there, okay, so I made it up. We see God's omnipotence not only in this verses that we read. It's not only in Isaiah. It's really all the way from Bereshit to Hitgalut, from Genesis to Revelation. In the Bible, God declares that He and He alone is all-powerful. He and He alone is omnipotent. He's, he's the only omnipotent being in the universe. Let me show you. Genesis 17, verse 1. God says to Abraham, I'm God Almighty. That is, of course, I'm God all-powerful. I'm God who is omnipotent. In Jeremiah 32, then the Lord said to Jeremiah, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Listen to me. This is a rhetorical question, okay? No, God, nothing is too hard for you, of course. Do you remember when, when Sarah, when she laughed at the prospect of having a child at the age of 90 years old, God's response to her was very simple. Genesis chapter 18, he said, Is anything too hard for the Lord? After getting a crash course in the omnipotence of God, King Nebuchadnezzar said in Daniel chapter 4, he said, this is what I've learned, right? God is the one who does what he pleases with the power of heaven and with the people of earth. And no one can hold back his hand. No one can hold back his hand. When Miriam reacted with shock at the announcement of of the angel Gabriel that she's going to have a a virgin birth, Gabriel was so unfazed, he simply said to her in in Luke chapter 1, nothing is impossible with God. Yeshua said, Luke 18, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And finally, I suppose that we've got Revelation 19, and it sums it up so well. Um, the words that were actually put into music by, by the famous uh, composer Handel in Handel's Messiah, where the angels are screaming, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. When 
ישעיהו, when Isaiah wrote these words in Isaiah 40 to Israel, they were living in a difficult, tough situation. Exile was coming. And you know, today, as, as, as followers of Messiah, I think that we live in a tough world. And, and I believe that in order for us to face this world successfully, the most important truth about God and that, that we need to remember is that our God is all-powerful. Our God is omnipotent. The same truth that, that Isaiah brought to Israel during his day um, is, is that same truth that we so desperately need today. You say, well, what about all the other attributes of God? I mean, aren't they important? Well, yeah, of course they are. But think about it now for a moment, okay? So, so God is eternal. But what good is it if God lacks the power to direct eternity? Okay, so it's true, God is holy. But what good is that if he lacks the power to provide a solution to our sin problem? Okay, so God is merciful. But what good is that if there is some disease that is too hard for him to heal or some obstacle that is too big for him to solve? And what good are any of the promises of God and if, if, if there is no omnipotence to back them up? If God is not omnipotent, it may mean that he's a God that means well, but without being all-powerful, he's lame. And, 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 and of no real assistance to anybody. Praise God, He is omnipotent and He is all-powerful. So if you're here today and, and you've never really um, trusted Messiah in a real and personal way, I'm telling you, go outside, look at creation. I'm telling you, read about all that God has done in our world and in the Bible. I'm telling you, look at the complexity of, of the human body which defies all imagination. And there is no other place to land if you are honest with yourself other than that there's got to be an all-powerful God. And He's the one who is running this whole show. This could not have happened by evolution. This could not have happened by chance. I love what one man said about evolution. He's a doctor, a scientist who taught in Oxford. And, and this is what he said, and I quote. He said, believing that evolution is responsible for all of this is like believing that a tornado blew through a junkyard and when it left, the result was a Boeing 747. That's how impossible all of this is. So if you've never trusted God in a real and impersonal way, I urge you to acknowledge His presence and then to embrace what He did on the cross for you so that you could come into a relationship with Him through Mashiach, through Messiah. Something for you to think about. Well, let's summarize, okay? This is um, the omnipotence of God. It's God's um, unlimited power to do whatever He pleases, always everywhere and forever. Nothing can stop him. No one can throat him. No force on earth can withstand him. God is omnipotent. His word declares it and his actions prove it. Now, that's as far as I want us to go in this kind of 
think it was kind of like a theological discussion um, on the omnipotence of God. And I want us to ask a very important question. And that question is right here on the screen. And so what? Who cares? I mean, right? Really, what difference does any of this make to my life when, when I leave, um, you know, on Monday morning when I go to work or, or to school? What does this really mean for me? What does that really mean for us? Can we put some handles on this? Can we make it practical for our daily life? Well, I think we can because what this really means is that you and I, we can trust God with any issue. And, and that there is no problem that you and I can ever face that God cannot handle. You and I will never come across a problem that God is incapable of dealing with because God is omnipotent. And there is nothing. I don't care how impossible the situation may look. There is nothing that he can't deal with. How many times... Have you seen this in your life? How many times have you seen this here at Beit Emanuel? Let me just tell you that in our, in our congregation back home in Israel, you know, every time when we face people leaving our congregation, most of the time they leave because they're leaving the country. And, 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 and we're thinking to ourselves, what are we going to do now? Well, every time God steps in and he provides someone else to come and help us get, keep going. It doesn't matter. What problem we face as, as a congregation. We always see that greater is he who is with us than he who is in the world. And, and I believe that God does these things for us corporate because he wants to encourage us as, as individual believers in Yeshua to remember that he is the same omnipotent God for us personally and, and not just for, for, for our congregation at large, not just for our community. But the things that we have seen him do, we need to extrapolate those back and, and see that the things that he does for us corporately as a community, he can do these things for me. He can do these things for you personally. He wants to make it personal. And, and when we get to a place where we really believe this, that, that this is not just in our heads, but, but when we come to a place where we really believe it in our hearts and, and in our souls and, and in the deepest of our being, that is when we begin to see God's power unleashed in our lives. In fact, as followers of Messiah here today, I want to challenge us with this question. What things are you believing God for now that no one else, no one else can do so that when God does it, you can give him the glory and you can give him the credit? Listen, as Messiah followers, we should always have something on this list, something that looks impossible, but we believe that God has led us to trust him for it anyway. It could be stuff that deals with school or, or, or our family or with our children or, or with our grandchildren. No matter what it is, something has to be on that list. What do you have on that list today? If we don't have something on this list, we're, we're, I, I think we're insulting the, the omnipotence of God. We're dishonoring God and we're robbing him of the chance to display his omnipotence in our own lives. Why? So that he could get the glory. So that he could get the credit and the glory. You know, 
I've learned something being in a full-time ministry now for um, over 18 years. I've discovered, and just through my own experience, that most followers of Messiah, we do a far better job trusting God in the crisis of life than, than we do um, trusting God in the big, impossible things than we do in trusting God in, in the little things in life. We, we do a far better job trusting God when in the crises, when we're in crisis versus um, in the everyday needs of our life. It is like we, we, we rally. We rally to crisis, you know? And, and, and then, then we live our everyday lives as, as if there is no omnipotent God in the universe. I think that the average messianic believer doesn't limit God in, in the crises of life. That's, that's when we go to Him. That's when, that's when we cry to Him. As much as um, we do that in our everyday affairs. And you know, when, when Dina and I, when, when we moved um, our apartments from um, one area of Israel, from Givatayim, which is right by Tel Aviv, to, to our first apartment that we owned in Petah Tikva, it was a brand new area. And if you've been to Israel, you know that in Israel they're always building, right? You always see new buildings. And, and when we moved to this place, it was like brand new. Our building was the only tall building in the neighborhood. Actually, there were fields all around it, and they kind of started developing the area. And as they're developing the area, they started building some, some malls, you know, and some stores and so on. And, um, you know, Dina is kind of like um, Rabbi Michael and Rabbi Carol. She's all into health. Okay, health foods and, and healthy living. And I, and I remember this was in, in right, right, we were brand new in this neighborhood and there was nothing around. And, um, and as they were building the stuff, um, Dina um, started praying. Every time we would go by this mall that they were building, she would pray that God would bring in a health food store right in that mall. And I remember that I said to Dina, I was like, Dina, health food, listen. This is not America, okay? This is not New York. We have falafels here, you know what I'm saying? Right? We don't do health food. And back then in Israel, there really wasn't health food like you guys have here with Trader Joe's and Whole Foods, etc. You know, it wasn't really a known entity. But, but she would pray. And I remember at some point I even told her, I said to her, Dina, stop it. I mean, come on, pray for the hungry children of Africa, right? I mean, I mean really, what? Who cares? Do you think God really cares about your little health food store? And, 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 and I remember that she said to me, she said, Dan, why not? Why not? Yeah, God for sure cares for those um, hungry children in Africa, but, but he also cares for, for, for other things as well, and, and I'm going to continue praying. And you know what happened, right? They actually opened a health food store right there in, in that mall. I kid you not. Just incredible. I couldn't believe it. And then they closed that one health food store, and guess what happened? They opened an even bigger health food store closer to our house, and then they even brought health food into, into the big supermarket by our house. I mean, I mean, this is what we're talking about. I mean, we've got an omnipotent God. Then, then, then why is it that we only trust Him with the big stuff in life? Why can't we trust Him with the little stuff? So that he could show us his power. So, listen, I have trusted God for parking spaces. I have trusted God to find lost keys. I trusted God that there will be a sale when Dina goes shopping. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right? I've trusted God for, for a, good, a, a good test score when my kids um, really need one. Listen, this is the omnipotent God of the universe. And, and I'm trying, and we're, we're trying to teach our kids to never limit God. Right? Not just to trust God with the crises of life. We've tried to teach them to understand that there is no crisis too big and no crisis too small that we can't trust God and His omnipotence for. And when we do this, I really think we, we please God. I think we honor God. We glorify God because we give Him a platform and to show His power. You trust Him for parking spaces. And, and, and you see what happens. You trust Him for the small, minor details in your lives and you see what happens. Now you say, well, Dan, um, I got to ask you a question. I mean, are you saying that, that God, um, next slide, please. Are you saying that God will do everything that I want Him to if I just ask Him because He's all-powerful? I mean, is He going to do everything I ask Him to do? No. God is not the genie in the lamp from Aladdin, right? No, I'm not saying that at all. You know, little children sometimes want to do something that you know as an adult is not a good idea. I remember um, one time when um, our, our oldest daughter, who is um, who's going to turn 18 in December, that's a scary thought. But anyway, when she was two years old, I remember one time Dina left me home alone with her. Dina is a woman of faith. And um, she left me home alone with Yael, and she went out. I forgot what she went. But anyway, um, I was there with Yael, our little two-year-old. And, 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 and we had a little candle. I guess Dina lit a little candle, you know, kind of like a scent candle in our house. And, um, and, and that flame on that candle looked so good to Yael that she really wanted it. And, and, and she wasn't giving up wanting it. Now... As her adult father, I am omnipotent enough to let her reach and touch that candle flame. But guess what? I'm also loving enough to know that it will hurt her. So I said to her, Law, no, and took her hand away. We all do that, right? We do, right? And, and the same is true with God. God is omnipotent enough to do anything. But He is also loving enough. He is loving enough to tell us no. To take our hands away. To say no. When He knows that something that we're asking for is just not good for us. So will God automatically do everything that we ask Him to do just the way we want Him to do it? No. But God will solve every issue you bring to him and trust him for and he will solve it sometimes just the way that that you ask just the way that i ask and sometimes even better than you and i ask and and we don't always understand we, we don't right sometimes we don't get it but he does and he is the omnipotent god of the universe and he never leaves us hanging so let's conclude, okay? Knowing that I have an omnipotent God gives me a quiet confidence with which I can face every obstacle in life with utter peace, without fear. And, and it should give you that same confidence. 
You know, over 60 times in the Bibles, just like we read in Isaiah 40, God uses this phrase. He says, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Why not? Because Jeremiah 32, 27 says, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? I said it before. That's a rhetorical question. No, God. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you. So fear not. Fear not. You know, a while back I found a quote that I want to share with you. I don't know. Maybe you should um, take down a piece of paper or your iPhone or iPad. And maybe you should copy this um, this. Um, note down. Maybe you should um, leave it, hang it on your refrigerator, put it in your Bible, whatever. And here is this quote. I love this quote. It says, it is impossible for that man to despair who remembers that his helper is omnipotent. I got to tell you, ever since I heard this quote, I think about it and look at it almost every day. And and when I find myself despairing, which sometimes I can do, when I find myself a little bit discouraged, which sometimes can happen, when when I find myself intimidated by by the obstacles that are facing the ministry that I lead in in Israel, Jews for Jesus, or that are facing me as as, as a person, you know, as a a husband and as a father, just just as a human being, I go back to this quote. It is impossible for that man to despair who remembers that his helper is omnipotent. And, and if I'm despairing, you know what it means, right? It means that I've forgotten. I've forgotten who my helper is. My helper is the omnipotent God. I've forgotten who my God is. And you know what happens? Every time that I remind myself who that God is, all of a sudden that despair that I have melts away. You can't remember that your helper, that your God is omnipotent and have despair at the same time. And for many, many of you here who who have many challenges and, and have many difficulties in your life, I'm here to say to you that the solution to your despair and worry, the, the solution to your anxiety is very simple. Remember who your God is. Remember who your helper is. He's the omnipotent creator God of this universe. There is nothing impossible with him. And and he will answer every prayer that you pray. He will answer it with his power. And even if he's got to change the culture in Israel and bring in health food, you know, even if he's got to change the laws of nature to answer your prayer, he will do it. He will do it. And so, I don't know, maybe you need to write this down, keep it on your fridge or in your Bible. Most of all, remember who your helper is. It's God. Keep in our minds, in our hearts, in our soul, who our helper is. It's our God who is omnipotent. It is impossible for that man or woman to despair who remembers, who reminds themselves that his or her helper is omnipotent. I pray that what we've talked about today will change the very way that that you and I, the very way that we face the crises of our life, no matter how big 
or small. You know, you plus an omnipotent God is a majority. It's a majority, no matter where you go. So I hope that's how you learn to see the world. Let's pray together. Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King. We thank you, God. We thank you, Adonai, that you are all-powerful, that you are omnipotent. And we thank you that because of, of Messiah, because of Yeshua, you are Emmanuel, you are a God who is with us. You are our helper. And Lord, we thank you that you seek and you want to help your children. So Father, help us. Help us remember that you are all-powerful, that you are omnipotent, and that there is nothing that's impossible for you. That there is nothing that's too hard for our God because of your power. Lord, help us leave this place changed. Help us leave this place to our daily life with all the difficulties, with all the hardships, remembering the God that, that we read about today, that, that the prophet Yeshayahu described, <laughs> the all-powerful God of the universe. And help us, Lord, to remember that forevermore. So that as we face despair and discouragement, that we would know that our helper is the omnipotent God of this universe. Lord, I pray your blessings upon my brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord God, for, for their faithfulness to you. Thank you, Lord God, for this synagogue, for Bede Emmanuel, Lord. We pray that you would um, continue to use Rabbi Michael and Rabbi Carol as they um, continue this great work. And Lord, as we prepare for, for the fall feast, for the high holidays, Lord, may, may many, many of our people and many, many of the nations would know, would know of you, the omnipotent God of the universe, may know of Messiah Yeshua. I love you so much. In Yeshua's name we pray.